Tonight, I want to just take these next few minutes that we have together and talk with you about living, <coughs> living kingdom culture in a COVID world. Living kingdom culture in a COVID world. Did you know that, that we, we are living in a COVID world? I mean, a lot of us who are here, we now go to work in our pajamas, right? And uh, a lot of us who are here tonight, just as I, I look out at you, uh, when we go most places now, it looks like we're going to rob a bank. I mean, you could go right from church to knocking off Wells Fargo, and it, you probably would get away with it. Uh, Karsten was over here in his seat earlier, and, and I was like, is that Karsten? Is that not Karsten? Is that Karsten? Is that not? I have no clue, because he's got a mask on, right? And, uh, and, and so we're living, we're living in that kind of reality. We have uh, pastors at our churches that became televangelists overnight. We, we have seen uh, statistically during COVID that sales of deodorant have plummeted and ice cream sales have skyrocketed, all right? So you might be eating the soft serve and notice that things are getting a little funky and, and, and depending on the flavor, you might just want to do that and it'd take care of things for you, right? And we are living in a weird world. We're living in a COVID world right now. And as we live in a COVID world, this is a world that is uncertain, it's unstable, it's a world that kind of no matter what decision you make or what position you take on something, there is outrage on both ends of the spectrum, there's, there's misinformation of all kinds. There's bully tactics that are in place. There's cancel culture that's in place. And probably one of, one of the strongest currents that we're experiencing in our society right now is fear. There's fear and anxiety that's all over the place. Prescription medications for mental wellness have gone up 21% in the month of May alone. In one month. It's unbelievable. And so I want us to, to take a quick moment, and, and there's, not, there's not a slide for this because it's not, I'm, I'm not going to spend a ton of time here, but Daniel chapter 3, uh, if you have your, your Bible or if your device is your Bible, you can go ahead and open up there, and, uh, um, but you don't have to because I'm just going to give a quick summary of that and then we're going to continue moving. But Daniel chapter 3, in that chapter, we find the story of three Hebrew young men that you might recall the name of, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Abednego. Yes. And um, that's actually their Babylonian given names that they were given. Uh, previous to that, they had Hebrew names. When they were exiled from Judah into Babylon in captivity, uh, those that ruled over them renamed them in an effort to try to change their identity. And, and so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are these three Hebrew young guys living in this Babylonian land that's like a godless place, a godless culture. They are against God in that place. And King Nebuchadnezzar 
he, he crafts this gigantic, several-story tall, golden idol, this golden image. And he makes a decree. And he says, everybody in the land, come, we're going to dedicate this graven image. And as the music begins to play, I want you all to bow down and worship this image I've created. Because in essence, he was saying, I'm wanting you to worship me. I'm wanting you to worship my leadership. And so, everybody comes together. The music begins to play. And a sea of people bow down before this image as the music plays. All except for three little heads popping up. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're just standing there. And the lookouts, they're combing across to see who is bowing and who's not. And there's only those three. They call them out. And they send guards. Guards bring them before Nebuchadnezzar. And I want us to hear this because I think that this gives us a great visual of what it means to live with a kingdom culture inside of us and within us as the body of Christ in a carnal world or in a COVID world. Because as these guys are called before the king, he looks at them and he says, who do you think you are? What do you think you're doing? I've built this image. I've demanded and decreed that everybody bows down to it and worships it. And you are still standing. And he says, if you, if you refuse to bow, I am going to take each of you and I'm going to throw you into this hot furnace, this hot fire of flames behind me, and this, those flames are going to eat you alive, and then what good will your God be to you? Their response. They look at the king and they say, O King Nebuchadnezzar. Now that's interesting to me. Because as they respond to him, they don't respond with dishonor. They don't respond with disrespect. He wasn't, he, he, he was literally trying to take their life. He wasn't trying to put some sort of a recommendation in place. He was trying to kill them. And they weren't disrespectful in any way, shape, or form. They said, oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, we believe that our God is well able to save us. And he will rescue us. But even if he does not, we will not bow. You see, in this picture that these three Hebrews give us, I think that we see a lot of, I think that we see the essence of kingdom culture. Because they say, oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, they, they respond with a gracious spirit. We believe that our God is well able to save us, but even if he does not, we will not bow. You see, there's the gracious spirit. There's the grace 
in how they are standing. And then there is also truth. We believe that our God is well able to save us. But even if he doesn't, because you see, God doesn't always work. The, you know what? I think if it was up to the three Hebrews, they probably would have filled out their form and said, it would be good, God, if you rescued us before we got thrown into the flames. Right? We believe our God is well able to rescue us, but even if he does not, we will not bow. We're not going to bow. And so that's a great picture for us. And I'd like for us to fast forward now to John chapter 1 in our Bibles. In John chapter 1, we read there in verse 14 and then verses 16 and 17, it tells us this. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Out of his fullness we have all received grace upon grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Say that last phrase aloud with me if you would. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So I want to just highlight a couple things today. And the first one is this. Grace and truth are in Jesus Christ. Grace and truth are in Jesus Christ. I like what Pastor Andy Stanley says. He says, Jesus didn't come to strike a balance between grace and truth. He brought the full measure of both. He didn't come to be one or to be the other or to wake up one day and say, you know what, today, today I'm gonna be grace. And now today when I, when I go into the temple and I turn the tables over, I'm going to be truth. No, at every single moment, pulsating through who Jesus is, there is grace and truth. Jesus, he was full. He was brimming over. It was running off of him with every person that he spoke to, with every ounce of ministry that he did, with every healing touch, with every teaching, with every part of who he is and was. He was grace, and he was fully grace and fully truth. He was both and. At our church in Austin, Several years ago, we went through the process of kind of hammering out some guiding values. And the first of our guiding values that we, we ended up after going through the whole process and we whittled things down and we decided what was most important, the first of our guiding values at our church is this. We want to be grace and truth. And that's our first guiding value. It's not number one and number two. They're actually one thing because we, we see here in the scriptures that Jesus was both. He was grace and he was truth. So when we are making decisions about ministry at our church, when we're thinking about outreach or we're crafting a special service or we're doing something for kids ministry or for students or 
we're working through conflict in the church or we're working through something relationally as a staff, it all goes through the filter that we want to be grace and truth, just like Jesus, because he was both. Grace and truth, they're not two separate theological distinctions, but they are, they are one. They are one loving, conquering, redeeming, glorious, risen Savior, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Jesus Christ is grace and truth. Grace and truth isn't just theology. Grace and truth is a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. Is anybody like Jesus in the room? Some of us were like, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. It's hard to tell with masks on, you know? I can, I can just be super boring or I can be super funny and either way, I'm not gonna know. So I'm gonna, just gonna assume that I'm super funny and you're super engaged, right? I'm gonna assume the best. And so we're here tonight most likely because we do like Jesus, because we love Jesus, because our allegiance is to Jesus. Jesus is our everything. Grace and truth are kingdom culture. And grace and truth are really, it, 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 it's like the personality of who Jesus is. He's not just one or the other. So grace and truth are in Jesus Christ. Something else I'd like to highlight, grace and truth, our kingdom culture. In this time of outrage, in this time of misinformation, in this time of living in a COVID world, I just want to caution us. I want to caution us because oftentimes when we get pressed, we will move to to maybe an idol in our life. We'll move to a place of security and comfort that's outside the umbrella of the, the lordship of Jesus Christ. And what I want to caution us, as, us in as believers is, you know what? During this time, let's not mix up our faith and our politics. It's not my concern if you're here, if you're here, if you're here, if you're there. But let's be people that don't make our politics our faith. Our, our faith most certainly should influence our politics. But, man, I want to caution us right now. Let's not be a people that let our politics determine our faith and who we're going to talk to and who we're not going to talk to and, and how we're going to be and how we're going to treat other people. That is completely counter to a kingdom culture way of life. You see, every spiritual problem that, that we are facing in this world, or excuse me, every problem that we are facing in this world right now. Every problem in our state, every problem in our nation, every problem in our world right now is a spiritual problem. 
And our only hope is Jesus. And the way that he wants to live inside of us is more powerful than any political ideology that we might ever hold. Jesus Christ wants us to live just like he did, full, running over with grace and with truth, with both and. And here's something that I didn't really learn until a few years ago, that grace, grace without truth, is not really a realistic reflection of grace. And truth without grace is not really an accurate reflection of what truth is. Because you see, grace and truth, they are one. They are the person of Jesus Christ. And if you have faith in Jesus Christ today, he lives inside of you and he has deposited this, this seed of kingdom culture within your life to cultivate and to grow. So just quick question before we move into the next thing that we want to highlight. What culture is living in you right now? What culture is growing in you right now? The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Something else I want to highlight for you, the third thing is this. Truth without grace is mean. Pastor Chris Hodge is one of my favorite pastors to, to learn from and to listen to. I, I heard this a few years back, and, and when I heard it, I was like, yes, that, that is true. Truth without grace is mean. Now, what is truth? Truth is that which is consistent with the mind, will, character, glory, and being of God. But truth without grace, it comes across as mean. You can think that you're right about Everything that you know about the Bible and about relationship with God. But if you're a jerk, who really cares? Right? If nobody wants to be around you, why would they want to follow you as you follow Christ? And sometimes we need to be careful because we go around giving out truth without any grace. And here's the thing. You know what can happen? We can end up driving more people away from Jesus Christ than bringing people to Jesus Christ. Why? Because we're just, we're giving out truth. But it's not really an accurate demonstration of truth because it's lacking in the grace that Jesus died to give you and to give me. Sometimes the reputation of believers in churches, maybe even many times, 
sometimes wrongly, but sometimes rightly, that believers and churches can sometimes be really mean. A few years back, there was a couple that came, unchurched couple that came and visited our church, and uh, we love unchurched people at our church, and, and uh, as I'm sure that you do as well. And I was walking through the lobby in between services, and, and I had just met them. And they said, oh, this is our first time here. And I'm like, awesome, I'm so glad that you're here. And they said, we just checked our kids into the, the child care area and, and kids' church. And, and I'm like, cool, that is so great. Why don't you follow me this way to the sanctuary? And they said, okay. And they said, and we got this code that they gave us that, you know, if, if, if our kids are having a hard time in there, that, that our code will come up on the screen. And I said, yeah, that's right. And, and then the mom stopped and she said this with, she said this with this look on her face that I won't ever forget. It was, it was a serious look. And she said, if our number gets called up on the screen and we have to go check on our child, are we ever allowed to come back to church here again? If it wasn't for the look on her face, I would have laughed like, ha, 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 that's funny. <laughs> of course. But I was, it like hit me like a ton of bricks. And I was like, no, of course, of course. You're, we, we, we love having you and your family here. We want you here. That's just so that if your child's having a hard time uh, adjusting to being in this new environment that you can come back and you can maybe help get them settled in and then come back into the sanctuary or we can maybe work something out to, to give some assistance in this whole process. But I walked away from church that Sunday and I was like, what in the world are we in the church doing that makes people think that we are looking for ways to kick them out of the church? You see, I think sometimes it's because we can just give out truth without grace and it comes across as mean. comes across as mean. We want to share our faith with somebody. If, if we want to share our faith with somebody, let me just give you a little tip. Don't let point number one be you're going to hell. You can get there. You can get to the place where it says the wages of sin is death. But don't start there. Don't start there. Connect with them. Connect with them. And then, you know what? We, can, we ought to connect with people before we try to correct people. Somebody, I, I heard it a long time ago when I was a kid, rules without relationship equal rebellion. And it happens with people that we would hope to win to Christ but we just start right in on all the do this, do this, do this, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. And it happens in our homes. There are prodigals all over the place. 
prodigals all over the place. That they have, they've had little relationship with their parents, but they've had a lot of rules. And you know what? It's just made them say, I want to run as far away from God as I can. Matthew 5 and 13 says, you are, you are, you are the salt of the earth. That's what Jesus tells us. And today I want us to, to hear that grace is like salt. It's like salt. And it makes the truth have the fullness of its taste. Let's be salt. Let's live out what the psalmist says. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Grace without truth. So we have truth without grace is mean. Grace without truth is meaningless. Grace without truth is meaningless. When my daughter Rebecca was little, Ashley, you know my daughter Rebecca, and she's a very strong old person. In fact, why don't you guys come on up? And... Uh, Rebecca is the essence of a strong-willed child, okay? And she was our firstborn, and she was strong-willed while she was in the womb. In fact, uh, the first night after she was delivered, the first night in the hospital, because uh, the nurse took the baby overnight so that mom could get some rest, and, and uh, they came back in the morning with her, and they said, well, we've given her a nickname, the Demander, and then they handed her back to mom. We had more kids just because we wanted to see if Rebecca was normal or not. Okay. And so she was very strong-willed. There was one night we were at the dinner table, and she was upset about something. And as she was upset about something, she sat there in her chair like this. And you know what? Here's the thing. As a parent, we could see that there was something behind that. It's called an attitude. And you know what? We could just be like, we've got lots of kids. We've got more kids than we should have had. And, and we're just trying to survive. We're just trying to get through. But you know what? We're like, you know what? That's not grace. It might, we might think it's grace if, if, if we just say, yeah, go ahead, do whatever you want. But it's not grace. We want it to be grace and truth. And so we were sitting at the dinner table and I said, Rebecca, uncross your arms. Put your arms down at your side. And she's like, What? No! And I'm like, Becca, put your arms down because what you're saying with your body language right now is that you are defiant and you are angry and that you, you have an attitude about something and we can talk about that, but I want you to put your arms down at your side. Now, I don't know, maybe this is controlling. I don't But she's like, What? Because you see, there can be a spirit behind things sometimes. And finally, she put her arms down at her side. 
her head may have spun around a few times and she might have been frothing at the mouth and there might be a clip in there in The Exorcist from this episode at our house. But you know what? I'm so glad that we just, with, with God's help, tried to lead and try to lead our kids with grace and with truth. She's a nanny now. She came home one day from from work when she was nannying back in Austin one summer and, and she came into the kitchen to us and she said, Mom and Dad, my nanny family. Now I know this is, I don't know where you're, I'm not trying to stir anything up, but she says, Mom and Dad, my nanny family, they never spank their kid. And then she said, thank you so much for spanking me. And she came and she gave us both a big hug. You know what? We want to be, we, we don't want to live one or the other. We want to live both and. Because truth without grace is mean. Grace without truth is meaningless. And grace and truth are explosive. Why don't you stand together with me? They are explosive when they are put together. We see that in the life of Daniel. We see it in the life of Excuse me, we see it in the life of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We see it in the life of Jesus. Jesus came to the, to the square one day and they were trying to trap him. And, and they said, teacher, this woman's caught in adultery. The law says we should stone her. What do you say we should do? And he says, nothing. He didn't say anything. He didn't speak a word at that moment. Instead, he knelt down and he started to write in the dirt. And we don't know exactly what he wrote. Scholars speculate that maybe he started writing down the sins of the religious leaders who were standing there holding the stones to, to begin pummeling this woman to death for her sin. Some even speculate that maybe he started writing the names of their mistresses in the dirt. And one by one, the stones began to fall. And then finally, Jesus comes to, Jesus kneels down in the dirt with this woman. This is the kind of God that we serve. He kneels down in the dirt with her. And he, he just caringly and lovingly and graciously and truthfully whispers in her ear. And he says, woman, does no one condemn you? And she is bracing for impact of death. And she starts to look up and she opens her eyes and she says, no one, my Lord. And he says, neither do I condemn you. You see, there's grace right off the bat. She hadn't changed anything yet. She'd just been caught in the act. He says, neither do I condemn you. But he doesn't stop there like our world would say. Anything goes. He moves on from there and he says, neither do I condemn you. Grace, now go and sin no more. Grace and truth came in Jesus Christ. We're going to take a moment, and I know that I went a little bit long. I apologize about that. If you need to go ahead and be dismissed, we're going to just say a prayer here. We're going to sing a song, and you can go ahead and, and make your way out. But if you'd like to stay and just take a little bit of time for prayer and just for commitment to the Lord, we're going to just take a few moments, and we're going to pray together. And since we can't do like normal Lake Geneva altar stuff, we'll just say go ahead and kind of get your own personal space somewhere around the room. Maybe we can pop the lights off, uh, the fluorescent lights off and just kind of give a little personal space. And uh, 
and we're going to pray and we're going to worship. And so let's take a moment. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we love you today and we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you for grace and truth today. We thank you that we are much loved in Christ. And Lord, today I ask and pray for any of us in this place, maybe there's some of us who say, you know what? I've never trusted my life in Jesus Christ. We pray this simple prayer right now. And I just invite everybody in the house to pray this with me aloud. Dear Jesus, I come to you. I've sinned. You are perfect. You died in my place. I believe that. Forgive me of my sins. Make me new. I will follow you. Jesus, today I thank you for every person in this place. I thank you for new life. I thank you that salvation is found under, under no other name. And Lord, today we pray that we would be a people who walk not in, in a COVID world, but who live with a kingdom culture in the way that we see others, in the way that we treat others, in the way that we love others and respond to others, in the way that we step out by faith and sharing our faith, in the way that we reach out to the, the, the fallenness of humanity, in the way that we, we, we shine amidst this dark world, in the way that we endeavor to kneel down like you did, Jesus, to the broken people in the broken places of this life, God, today. We pray that you would grow deeper within our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen.